It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Blackballed is dropping soon on The Ringer NFL feed. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we have a very special One Shining Tournament Primer with 2019 national champion Ty Jerome. Some people call him Ty Ballgame. I call him Jerome Rome. Jerome's in the house. All the many nicknames, but at the end of the day, he is a great Virginia Cavalier, and we appreciate him coming on the show. Excited to talk to Ty about what it takes to win a national championship, what it took for that 2019 to actually come back from the 2018 UMBC game all the way to the top of the mountain. We'll get into all that. Also, we're going to talk about our OSPers. These are our shining players in the NCAA tournament. Myself, Kyle, we're going to run through some names that you need to watch out for as the tournament takes off this week. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to figure out who Kyle's man is going to be. we got some great options. It's going to be a lot of fun to do that. Also, like I said, um, at the end of the show, we're going to do a little bit of a... Uh, you know, a housekeeping uh, option where we go through, talk about Will Wade, who is back in college basketball. I can't believe that's a real thing that I'm saying out loud on a podcast right now. We got the Rick Tater, Rick Patino, getting primed and ready. Ten years after his 2013 national championship, he's ready to go. He's playing against UConn. We'll talk about a little bit of that. This is also one of the oldest college basketball March Madness experiences we'll ever see. We got a lot of players that are 24, 25, 26, Jeez. maybe even a couple 27-year-olds. Um, that are playing in the tournament. So we'll get into all the, the the nooks and crannies of what's going on in college basketball. we got a great show coming up. Kyle, is there anything that you're looking forward to before we get into this? I'd just like for me to you be able to explain to me how you could be 27 and be in a tournament, let alone even in college. But uh, you know what? I mean, when I think about it, I think it's disciplinary. I'm sure it's probably way, way smarter uh, reasons than that. 
But you know uh, how it works. You know how it works, though. The older you are, the better you are in sports. I mean, it works in high school. It works with prep schools, right? Yeah, it I mean, seems crazy. <laughs> yeah, but now that's what it's they're like doing in college. Code. Yeah, they're just they're just going after guys that are 24, 25. And uh, I'm pretty sure Michael Jordan won his first championship at 27. Steph Curry did, too. So there you go. Uh, th- those guys spent a few years in college as well, <laughs> and they were still able to go to the NBA and win a championship at that point. Um, I'm excited for this show. I'm excited for the tournament that's ahead. Um, anything else, Kyle, before we get into it? Nothing. Let's get into it. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right. It's Tuesday, March 14th. Some people call it Pi Day. I I call it Steph Curry's birthday. Um, Congratulations to Steph Curry, one of the greatest shooters in college basketball. Another day in the life. One day after my birthday on March 13th, I just turned 30. 30 is the new 23. Um, I feel good, Kyle. I feel spry. I'm ready to talk about college basketball. I've never been more prepared for this. So, um, you know, let's get into it, right? This is this is the time. This is the, the moment in time where I finally can sit in the sun and say, this is what I dream of. This is the holiday of all holidays. I get to watch the best basketball tournament in the world. And uh, people come together and flock together. And this, you know, this first round has its own special air about it. I feel like as we we lose teams and we get in the second weekend, a lot of people fall by the wayside. But Thursday and Friday in the first round, people are fired up. People are tuned in. People are plugged in. So I'm excited about all that. Um, one thing I want to get to before we get to our special guest, Ty Jerome, I want to talk about some players to watch out for in the tournament. Um, we're going to call these guys our OSPers. We're going to shout out Dickie V because Dickie V back in the day used to have the PTPs, baby. Oh, yeah, the PTPs. Well, these are the OSPers. Maybe not the same enthusiasm, but the same love, you know, and, and the same <coughs> moxie for making great plays in college basketball. So we did this by region. Um, I put the uh, put together this list today as we were waiting. Uh, Ty Jerome. We were going to go in studio with him and uh, be at Spotify, make it a whole ordeal. But look, it's the NBA. We had bad weather in Los Angeles. They were flying down from the base, so we had to move things around. This gave me time to put a list together of players, uh, interesting players, talented players, fun players, OSPers. That's what we're calling them. So I'll start in the South region and run through these guys. Uh, you know them probably if you've been keeping up with college basketball at all. But the first name that I throw out there is probably the best player in this tournament. His name is Brandon Miller of Alabama. Uh, He is now jumping up KOC's big board. He's now number two on the big board uh, for the Ringer, the Ringer draft guide right there. So Brandon Miller is a guy guy to watch. Another Alabama player that we have, an OSP, is Noah Clowney, a guy from Spartanburg, South Carolina, a power forward with a lot of talent. Excited to watch those two guys. That's a dynamic duo right there for Alabama. Next up, we got Reese Beekman of Virginia. Um, if you haven't watched Reese Beekman, he does all the little things, makes the right plays. So Reese Beekman's going to be there. I think he's got a, a guy that could end up being, uh, you know, someone that's in the NBA. A lot of Virginia guys making their way to the NBA these days, uh, changing the conversation about the Cavaliers. Let's keep running through it. We got Ryan Kalkbrenner of Creighton, Baylor Shireman of Creighton, Baylor Shireman, uh, headband gang. One of my favorite shooters in college basketball can get hot, can make things happen. Terquavion Smith of NC State. And uh, and now I want to flag a guy that I think could be Kyle's man. This could be someone that he, uh, you know, he steals the heart of America and also the heart of our producer, Kyle. His name is DJ Burns. Kyle, how much have you seen of DJ Burns from NC State? Uh, he wears sunglasses after games. 
He's a big boy. He likes to dance. He likes to have fun. I feel like every single time I see a little shot of DJ Burns, he also has people crowdsourcing, crowdfunding his grandma to fly out to Denver for I the tournament that. game. Uh, what, what do you think about DJ Burns and how much do you know about DJ Burns? Well, I mean, I feel like, you know, I've always liked uh, uh, NC State guys. I forget who they were because they were. it was years ago when you guys abandoned me. But I remember I had NC State <laughs> guys and I felt bad about it because I was like, ah, it takes big Carolina. And yeah. Titus was like, yeah, I'll ride on Carolina with you. And I was like, ah, something about this NC State crew. Um, so, and they're always, and they always like seem good enough to scare you, you know, as, right. a, as a Carolina fan. So, uh, I, I got no problem with that. I'm actually, I feel like I may have zoned in on my guy too much. I wait till you bring him up. Cause I'm pretty sure you will, um, mm. that maybe I haven't given DJ Burns a shot. So I will, you know, Hey, I'm, I'll keep my, I'll keep my eyes open. I'll just do a, a little Google, uh, news for DJ Burns and see what happens. That's just the extent of what my research will be, but I'll pull that yeah. up right now. DJ Burns is one of those guys that he got a bad matchup in the first round going against Creighton. So we're not sure how long we're going to get the experience of DJ Burns. But if state plays, uh, you know, a solid Whoa, game, that is a big dude. Yeah, he's the man. He's <laughs> the man. He's the big South player of the year from Winthrop. I mean, he he is. He also wears number 30. This is an episode centered around 30. So DJ Burns is a guy I feel like you're going to fall in love with. Oh, uh, shit. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I Still in my right heart. Now. Yeah, he's still in your heart right now. Uh, another guy in the South, Kobe Brown of Missouri. Um, you know, Kyle Mann said that's his guy. He loves Kobe Brown. But the name Kobe uh, always has, you know, a special place in basketball. Kobe Brown's a fun player. Um, and then there's four guys on Arizona in the South that I think everyone should lock in on. Ozulus Tubelis, who is one of the best players in the country, kind of a point forward, maybe the best point guard on Arizona. Courtney Ramey, who I know you love, Kyle, back uh, from the Texas days. He's a guy that's been around college basketball for quite some time. Umar Balo, who's got a fractured hand, but, uh, you know, if he is, you know, at least 80%, it's at least it's not his dominant hand, it's his left hand, not his right hand, but he's another guy. And then finally in the South, Pella Larson, um, who is the small forward for Arizona. Arizona's got a very... Very interesting team, a very stacked team. So those are the OSPers for the South. I'm going to highlight just a few in each of the other regions as we get ready for Ty Jerome to come in here. In the Midwest, we got Jairus Walker and Marcus Sasser from Houston. Both those guys are NBA players. Both those guys are going to get drafted uh, as we get into the uh, the NBA draft portion of the, the calendar year. Um, we got Iowa's Chris Murray, who looks like, if, if you love his brother now playing for the Sacramento Kings, then you're going to love Chris Murray because uh, they literally look exactly like each other. They play very similar. The only difference is Chris is left-handed, um, so that that that'll get you going. Jordan Miller of Miami. I know a lot of people when they talk about Miami, they want to talk about Nigel Pack. They want to talk talk about Isaiah Wong, but Jordan Miller to me is their best player. And Norchad O'Meara, who is uh, the first Nicaraguan player in college basketball, he's dealing with an ankle injury. But if he does play, he's Kevin Clark's guy. Um, and I think if he does play, then I, then Miami's a very scary team. Keeping it moving through the Midwest, Jalen Hood Shafino, one of the best freshmen in the country at Indiana. He's a guy that can get hot, get buckets. Here's another name that could be a Kyle's man, uh, Sincere Carey of Kent State, the Golden Flashes. Obviously, the Golden Flashes, their last run in the tournament was 2002 with Antonio Gates, who had 22-8 and eight in the Elite Eight before they lost to Indiana. I think there's a chance that Sincere Carey and Kent State, they get some revenge. They get a win. Um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, a few more names in the Midwest. Suli Boom from Xavier. Been one of the best point guards in the country. Xavier, coached by Sean Miller, one of the best offenses in the country, which is insane to say when you think about Sean Miller. But he took that time off, learned how to run offense, got a guy in Suli Boom, and all of a sudden Xavier's a fun team. Uh, another fun name that uh, may, may get your attention, Kyle, Boots Radford 
of Texas A&M. His name is Tyrese Radford, but Boots Radford just sounds better. Sounds like a, a folk hero of sorts. And uh, he's a guard that likes to go left. He's a left-handed guy. Um, I think he he's a name and a personality that could get your attention for Texas A&M. Plus, Buzz, Buzz Williams is a friend of the program. He's a big friend of Mike Lombardi. So there's a chance we could get Buzz Williams on the show. So we're pulling, pulling for Buzz and for Boots Radford. Another great name in college basketball in this region, Sir Jabari Rice. Yes, you heard that right, Sir Jabari Rice. He is not knighted. He did not go over to the UK, but he is a sir. And uh, he's the sixth man of the year in college basketball for Texas. He's first another name, guy. Sir? Yeah. First name, first, sir, or first well, name, Sir Jabari? Sir Jabari is one name. Um, okay. It is connected. Is there a um, hyphen? Yeah. No, there's a there's a, there's an apostrophe uh, in okay. between, um, and that's how we got connect it, the it. two. But, you know, he goes by Jabari more commonly, but the full name is Sir Jabari, um, and he's a talented player, one of my favorite guards in the country. And then in the Midwest, the final, uh, you know, one to watch out for, the OSPers, is the entire Colgate team, the entire team. They, they all could could get hot from the three-point line. They all could uh, make you pay. And uh, I talked to some sources today, Kyle. Colgate's fired up. They think they're going to win. So there you go. That's the Midwest. Let's move to the West. And let's start with one of the best names in college basketball this year. You know him. You love him. His name is Grady Dick. And uh, Grady Dick from Kansas is going to steal the hearts of America. I think he is... uh, he is due for a big run in this tournament. We'll see what happens. His running mate, Jalen Wilson, one of the best players in the country, and KJ Adams, uh, who is uh, their six foot seven, kind of switchable five. He, he's a very vertical guy, very fun to watch. And also their point guard, Dewan Harris. If Dewan Harris is, you know, making things happen, initiating the offense, getting assists, he doesn't need to score to make an impact, but Dewan Harris is going to be important and a guy that could lead them to a championship. Arkansas's got three guys to watch out for. Anthony Black, who's going to be a lottery pick. Ricky Council, the fourth, who has two brothers also named Ricky Council. Love that. Nick Smith Jr., who's also going to be a lottery pick. So keep your eyes on Arkansas if you're an NBA hole and you and you want to watch NBA prospects. Arkansas is a team that's probably going to have your heart. Um, Illinois is their first-round matchup. They got two guys that yes. I want to highlight. TJ Shannon and Dane Danger. I think Dane yes. Danger is Kyle's man. Is that how you're feeling, Kyle? Yes. Do you like Dane Danger? Yes. By the way, I remember my guy on the old uh, NC State team. That was Torn Dorn. Yeah, um, Torn Dorn. So, uh, yes. Uh, so, Dane Danger, I looked him up. Great name. Handsome cat. Used to have, used to be a little heavier on that. You know, I'd like that. Yeah. There's some pictures of him with some man titties out there. And like a week ago, he accidentally headbutted a guy in the face and it was completely by accident. You could, you know, mm. I'm sure in the NBA, it's more like, oh, I didn't mean to smack that guy in the face with the back of my hand. It was like a complete accidental. He was so thrilled with like a shot he just made. And he actually headbutted a guy in a celebration <laughs> with his eyes completely closed. I'm yeah. in. He's my man so far. They're they're Dane a Danger. fun team, Illinois. Uh, we love Brad Underwood on this show. So Dane Danger as Kyle's man, I approve. I, I think that's the best case scenario. Another guy that I think America is going to fall in love with is St. Mary's Aiden Mahaney. Um, he is a freshman. He's from the area. He goes to his hometown team in St. Mary's, and he's been great for them. Uh, a, a few more guys, the UConn guys, Jordan Hawkins, Adama Sanogo, both of them have been great all year. They're both NBA-type players. Watch out for them. Mike Miles Jr. for TCU, a guy who's been starring all year, top 10 player in the country. Some people had him first-team All-American. Uh, Gonzaga's got guys. We know Drew Timmy. 
We know the mustache stroke. We all get that. We've seen that a million times. But there's two other players I want to highlight for Gonzaga. Ben Gregg, who's their big man off the bench, gives me major Zach Collins vibes. Also, Julian Strother, who is their wing, their 3 and D guy. I think he's been playing great defense, and I think he can kind of change the dynamic and the complexion of who Gonzaga can be. Um, Boo Booey of Northwestern, great name, (laughs) great guard. Uh, someone to watch out for that can you know make a splash maybe in that first game against Boise State. Uh, Tyson Digenhart uh, is another guy for Boise State that also could could make some noise. Um, you know he's got NBA teams getting excited for him. And then finally in the West, four guys from UCLA that I really want to keep an eye on that I that I think are great characters in college basketball. Jaime Jaquez Jr., who's a first team guy, the Pac-12 Player of the Year. Very low center of gravity, makes things happen. Just a, a captain, a leader, all the all the things you can think of. Tiger Campbell, he's been playing college basketball for at least 15 years. He yeah. knows what it looks like in the tournament. He's been in big moments. He's been to the Final Four. Same with Hawkes. David Singleton, same thing. He's been around this team. And it sounds like Mick Cronin is going to file a motion to have David Singleton have another year. So uh, if you thought David Singleton's six years were enough, he might be coming back for seven fired up for that. So that's how um, it happens. A coach has to step in and sort of juke the stats for you. You just make do what you got to do. You just do what you got to do. You know what All I mean? Right. You go to the NCAA and you say, this is what's possible. Uh, and then finally okay. the PAC 12 freshman of the year, a dim bona. Uh, he is all energy guy who dives on the floor, guy who protects the rim. And if bona, you know, if he can battle back from some of these injuries, I, I think that UCLA is a very scary team. Finally, in the East region of the OSP, starting with Zach Eady, who most people have as their National Player of the Year. Um, as someone with a wooden vote myself, I'm not sure he is going to be my National Player of the Year. We'll see. That was a little tease there, but Zach Eady's seven foot five. Some say seven foot six. Kyle. Some say seven foot four. Whatever you want to say, he's a very big man, a very ginormous man. Bill Simmons is enamored with him. I think he's a fun character in college basketball. I think the the casual fan will see Zach Eady. They'll see his mom in the crowd, and they'll be fired up and say, this this is going to be fun. So Zach Eady and Mason Gillis from Purdue are the two guys that I circle for the one seed there in the East. Another guy who is a, uh, I would call a Kimba candidate to the max, his name is Kendrick Davis of Memphis. Memphis is a fun team. Him and DeAndre Williams together, they're kind of my NBA jam duo, the two of them. I think they can make a splash together. Um, For Duke, I'll be fair. I'll be balanced. I'll talk about Duke. They got some guys that, you know, I have to tip my cap to. Jeremy Roach, he's a seasoned vet on this team. It's kind of like Roach and four freshmen. That's what Duke does. That's when they play their best basketball. Some of those freshmen that you got to look out for, Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor, Derek Lively. Duke's got... Duke's got a good team. They got a good team. They got some good players. They're playing some really good basketball. Um, but they're going up against a 12 seed, one of the hottest teams in the country, Oral Roberts, who has Max Asmus, who can outscore anybody in the country, has put up a lot of points. They also have Connor Vanover, who transferred in from Arkansas. Big man, can protect the rim. So Duke's got a test in the first round. So th- those are the names to think of in that matchup. Uh, moving on, Tennessee, they got Santiago Vescovi. Vescovy is a guy that, uh, you know, we talked about Zakai Ziegler going down, but Vescovy can initiate offense. He can kind of get all these Tennessee guys in the right place and and maybe help them make a run. They're going up against the Louisiana team, though, with Bob Marlin uh, that has two players to watch out for that could be NBA guys, Terrence Lewis II and Jordan Brown. So I'm intrigued by what's going to happen in that Tennessee-Louisiana game. Uh, for Kentucky, we know Kentucky. We already see the commercials are happening with AT&T with Jacob Toppin. He's a guy on my list. Antonio Reeves is the name to know, though. 
Um, and Casey Wallace, if he can be healthy. Those are the guys I flag for UK. Bryce Hopkins, a transfer from Kentucky that's now at Providence, will be playing Kentucky. That's going to be a fun storyline. Watch out for that. We got Kansas State, Jerome Tang, Coach of the Year. That's a fun team. They got Keontae Johnson, one of the funnest stories in college basketball. What a comeback story for Keontae Johnson. Raekwon Battle is a great name, Kyle. That's someone you might be fired up on coming out of Montana State. So watch out for Raekwon Battle. Drew Peterson at USC. He's Mike Dunleavy 2.0. Watch out for Drew Peterson. I'm excited to see what he can do. They're going up against Tyson Walker, Tom Izzo, Michigan State. That's a fun 10-7 game. And uh, and finally, I got Igadaro, who's a, a Marquette big man who Kyle Mann is, is fascinated with. He thinks he's going to be a, a real big star in this tournament. And then, of course, their point guard, the Big East Player of the Year, Tyler Kolick, um, a guy that has made Shaka Smart look like a genius all season long. That's the full list of OSPers. I know that's a lot of guys. I know that's a lot of information to digest. But I wanted to throw that out there. I wanted to give people the names to look out for. So when they happen, they say, oh, my God, I've heard about this guy. I know this guy. He's an OSPer, of course. So uh, there yes. you go. I'm, I'm leaving some people out, you know, some known entities, obviously, a Trace Jackson Davis at an Indiana, a Drew Timmy at Gonzaga. These are known entities. These are known players. Um, you know, I saw some people, you know, on Twitter talking about Jalen Pickett at Penn State. Let's throw him in there. Pickett's a great player. I like that he's a point guard that's not afraid to go down to the block. So Pickett's on the list as well. But in general, these are the guys that I think they're going to have a major impact. They're going to have their major moments and, uh, they're gonna they're gonna you know play with your heartstrings, tug with your heartstrings as we get into the tournament, and uh, that's why they're OSPers. Um, Kyle, is there anything else? Is there is there any more Dane Danger facts you want to throw out there before we get to Ty Jerome? No, I mean I'll I'll be gathering them more uh, you know as the tournament goes on, and hopefully uh, we've got a, a couple weeks with our friend Dane uh, here as well. <laughs> I'm, I got a couple guys I'm just gonna bring into my group that you've mentioned. I think I think you're absolutely right about uh, Mr. Battle. He'll be one of my guys. He'll be in my camp. I'll be watching right. him. I'll be rooting for him. I am rooting for Rick Petito. Sue me. Of course. Uh, Suley Boom. Great name. Into it. And I gotta say, I do feel bad about butchering uh, Mr. Cockbrenner's Kalk- name last week. Funny joke. <laughs> not really. You know. Uh, so I, I do. I will be pulling for uh, what team is he on? Cockbrenner, he's on Creighton. Yeah. He's on the Blue Jays. Uh, Creighton. So he's, he's, I got to go for Creighton anyway. Well, they're going we, up against your NC State Wolfpack, so that's going to be a showdown. That's going to be your your head versus your heart there. Uh, so that that's what those are always my favorite games. When it's well, that's your head the beauty of this heart. month, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, isn't that the beauty of this time? That's what we want. That's why we call it March Madness. That's why it's the best time of the year. We're going to be fired up. We're going to try to get all the names right that we can. But of course, this is college basketball. These are two guys that, you know, we make mistakes. I sound like an idiot sometimes. It happens. Everybody does it in college basketball. Get over it. Move on. Enjoy the basketball. And now coming up, we got 2019 national champion Ty Jerome. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, 
V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. He is 2019 national champion. He is a man who is a member of the 50-40-90 club. That's a very important club in the world of basketball. He is, of course, Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome, thanks for coming on One Shining Podcast, man. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, man. I uh, It's been a while since you and I have been able to chop it up and talk about basketball. First and foremost, I want to break the fourth wall for our listeners. We were going to be in studio. You were flying down to Los Angeles tonight. You got a game against the Clippers. We were going to go in the studio. We were going to have a nice time. But of course, the one time we're going to do that, it's going to rain and, and be disgusting in Los Angeles. So you, you had to, you had to what, change flight times, right? Coming out of the Bay, getting down to LA. What happened? Yeah, our plane just, we were just sitting on the runway for a while. First, we pushed back from three to 4.30. Then we sat on the runway for about an hour and, and we, we just, we just got to the hotel now. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad that you took the time to jump on the show. Glad you made it to the hotel. No, it's been a long travel day. I'm going to hit you just with some, some rapid fire questions just to get up to speed with what's going on in your world. And then I want to run through and walk through the 2019 title run. It's one of the, most insane runs in NCAA title history. So we're going to get into all that. Uh, first and foremost, though, I want to talk about you being on the Warriors because uh, you're one of those guys that, you know, the Warriors were struggling a little bit this year. They were looking for some stability on the bench. That was the big topic. Will they find guys on the bench? And it turns out their two two-way players were, you know, kind of stars. Uh, and you guys kind of helped right the ship a little bit in February. Can you just talk about what it's like to be in that backcourt with the Splash Brothers and, you know, be a guy that is, you know, you were in OKC playing behind Shea Gilgis-Alexander, now a guy who could be first-team All-NBA, and now you're playing behind the likes of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. What's it like to be in that backcourt, and how fun is that? Do you have to pinch yourself sometimes and say, wow, this is pretty cool? Oh, for sure. Um, definitely after the games, you know, when you're locked in before the game and during the game. Um, I'm Like I said, I'm so locked in. I'm not really thinking too much about it, but after we have some big wins or, you know, Steph hits some crazy shots or, you know, <laughs> I go back and watch the highlights and be like, wow, bro. <laughs> like yeah. when I was, uh, you know, when I was in high school and even like late middle school, these guys were, when they started their kind of, you know, run and started to become a dynasty. So it is, it is pretty cool. 
Yeah, hopefully you don't have any old tweets where you're saying bad things about the Warriors, you know? And no, if you no, do, I maybe don't. you go back and I scrub don't. those. I know. <laughs> I always see that with LeBron. It feels like every time LeBron gets a new teammate, they go back through all of his tweets from like 2011 and they bring it up where he says something about how he liked the San Antonio Spurs or whatever it may be. So yeah. I just wanted to flag that for you. Make sure that doesn't happen. Make sure they, <laughs> they don't give you that treatment because that's a... Uh, that's unfair. We hate to see that. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you just for, from the NBA conversation, then we'll get into the March Madness stuff, but you're a guy who's a role player. Your whole life, you've been a starter. You've been a point guard. You've been in kind of a, you know, an orchestrator, um, an initiator, all these types of things. How hard is it you know, just to go from being a starter, knowing you're going to play this amount of minutes, to you go to the NBA, you have no idea if you're going to play 25 minutes, if you're going to have a DNP. Uh, you, there, there's no consistency, and if you look at some of these games, with the, especially with two-way guys, there's literally no rhyme or reason to it. So how hard was that for you to kind of get into that routine of, it's not going to make sense, but I just got to be prepared no matter what? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it took me a few years to, to really learn that skill, and it's something that, you know, if you set aside the lottery picks and the people that fall into the perfect situations – when you're trying to establish yourself in the NBA, it's something that everyone goes through. Um, so I just figured it out that, you know, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. And instead of complaining about it, I just, you know, work and, and prepare. And if I get a DMP, I get a DMP, but I'm always prepared, um, you know, every night. Yeah. There's a, there's always a conversation. I love talking to the guards. You know, I, I have a soft spot for the bigs. I, I love the bigs, but you know, I was a guard myself. So I, I love hearing the guards and I talked to BJ Armstrong quite a bit about this. You know, he calls himself the guard guru. And uh, a few months back, I was talking about the, the true point guards, right? Guys that get steals, guys that pick up full court, guys that kind of get everybody in the right position you check all those boxes. You are what, you know, the NBA people would call a true point guard. How much pride do you take in that, you know, being one of those positions? And how, you know, how different is it now that the guard position has changed so much? Because we have guys like Steph Curry and, you know, there's like the combo shooting guards. But even though I think Steph has the point guard principles, but being one of those, you know, true point guards, how much pride do you take in that? Oh, definitely a lot of pride. And, um, you know, it's interesting because, like you just said, the game has evolved in such a way and, and there's so many more combo guards and true points now. So I've kind of adopted my game to become a combo just because it you kind of become more playable with different lineups, playable with, you know, with more lineups. Um, for example, like if Steph's on the court, you know, I'll probably be off the ball more. Um, <laughs> right. I'm on the court with Clay, I'll be on the ball more and I'll be, you know, putting guys in spots and getting Clay shots and stuff like that. So, um kind of just worked on my game enough to become a combo rather than a true point. Um, but it's still something I take pride in, you know, just leading from whatever position I'm playing in. Yeah. And one of my favorite stats and one of the things I look at, you know, when I look at a stat sheet, which we don't like to be, you know, people that look at stat sheets and de determine things. But one thing I love looking at in the NBA, because it is kind of a meritocracy and there, there's few of those that exist in society. But just in the NBA, if you look at field goal attempts, if you look at FGAs, that'll kind of tell you what the meritocracy of every team is, who is actually getting the shots, right? That kind of that kind of lets you know the lay of the land, the power structure at play. How hard is it for you? Because I know you can make shots. I know you can hit big shots. How hard is it to how hard is it to rein it in sometimes and you say to yourself, you know, I really am only going to get four or five shots this game. I got to make the most of it, even though typically if I'm playing a, a normal basketball game, I might have 20 moments in this game that I should have put up a shot. For sure. Um, you know, it's definitely definitely something that I think a lot of people struggle with in the NBA playing that role. But 
I also don't try to overcomplicate it. Like when the game says shoot, I shoot. Um, you know, it's I, I work my butt off and, and and you know, I try not to pass any open shots up, any opportunities for shots. Um now, listen, Steph and Clay are gonna get more shots up. It's <laughs> and, you know, Jordan and, and we have guys that are are wired to score. Like, you know, that's they're on the court to score points for us. So well, like I said, there's some games I might take five shots, three shots. There's some games I might get 12 shots. Like when the game says shoot, I shoot. When the game says pass, I pass. Um, trying to overcomplicate it. And, you know, I believe I'm going to make every shot I shoot. So, yeah, yeah. I believe that as well. I've watched you play a lot of basketball and I think it's going to go in every single time. One more NBA question before we get into the college basketball stuff. Uh, I wanted to ask you this because this is always a fun one. And I love hearing from the old NBA players from the 80s and 90s. They all had aliases when they were on the road, right? When they were staying at hotels, they would all have yeah. an alias, and, and that's kind of how things would work. Your coach, Steve Kerr, I remember I did an interview years ago with Bill Simmons, and Bill brought up his alias was Austin Powers. Um, <laughs> you know, that, Is there an alias for Ty Jerome? Are you at that level yet where you have to come up with an, an alias? Are you given an alias, um, or, or is this something that doesn't exist anymore? No, it still exists. I personally haven't needed one yet. Um, I haven't gotten too many crazy calls to the hotel or anything like that. Um, so I haven't needed to get, but it, it does exist. Okay. Get, get, is there is there an alias that you love? You don't have to tell us who the player is, but just the name, the alias name. That is that someone that, uh, is there a name that just makes you laugh? Because every time I hear Steve Kerr as Austin Powers, I think uh, MJ's was Oscar Miles was his <laughs> alias, which was always ridiculous. But is there a crazy name that that is out there uh, that you've heard as an alias? Yeah, I mean, I can't say it because they people will start calling a hotel asking for this <laughs> name. <laughs> but but Steph's, right. Steph's alias is for sure my favorite. Okay, well, I, I'm happy to hear that Steph is a lot like MJ in the sense that, uh, you know, he's got a great alias. Aliases matter in the world of basketball. That's always one of my favorite stories. Dominique Wilkins had some amazing ones uh, over the years. I can't even remember half of them off the top of my uh, top of my head, but they were they were always ridiculous and always fun. Um, all right, that, that's the NBA portion of the show. Shout out to Ty Jerome. He's playing in the NBA. We're very proud of him. Um, but let's get into uh, the time before he got to the NBA. That is, you know, a walk down memory lane. That is the 2019 title run. Um, and, you know, let's set the scene, Ty, because I think a lot of people, when they when they try to go back and rework this this time in, in college basketball, it's totally a different time. We don't have NIL. Uh, the RPI still exists. We don't have the net rankings. We don't have the quad system. There's a lot of different terminology in college basketball. And just four years ago, it feels like a totally different world. But I, I want to start in the ACC tournament because I think that's really the story for me that kind of jumpstarts this 2019 title run. You guys play in the semifinals. You play in Charlotte where the Hornets play at the Spectrum Center. Um, you guys lose to Florida State. That's the same court that you had to play UMBC on. Uh, it was the same court that uh, that Virginia played Wisconsin on in 2015. And obviously, you know, Tony Bennett played with the Charlotte Hornets. You know, as a Charlotte Hornets fan myself with Muggsy Bogues right behind me, this jersey, I know a lot about Tony Bennett and the Charlotte Hornets. So that was, to me, kind of the, the jumping off point for this team. You guys lose in the semifinals and you lose on that court. And then from there, it just felt like you guys shot to the moon. Did you guys, did you ever think about that? Or was that something that we kind of reworked and now people talk about, you know, you guys you know, playing on the same court in the ACC tournament? No, we knew. We knew for sure. I remember. Um, and then fast forward, I scored my first NBA points in that court too. So a, a lot of a lot of different memories on that court for sure. Uh, a lot yeah. of a lot of lows, a lot of highs. But 
um, we we definitely knew. Um, we were just happy that we weren't playing back on that court when the, the tournament started that year. So yeah. So and then then we'll get right into the tournament. So you guys, you get a one seat again. There's all this conversation, right? I mean, we remember the time I was doing a podcast. You know, me and Mark Titus were doing our show, and we kept saying to ourselves, "We still believe in Virginia. We think this team is is now underrated at this point." And a lot of people don't understand how talented this trio was. There was a lot of people that seemed to forget that DeAndre Hunter didn't play in the UMBC game. A, a guy I know who you're very close to, a guy who's also playing in the NBA. So we were trying to push that narrative out there. We were saying it was God's plan. But you guys get a a pretty tough draw for a one seed. You guys play Gardner Webb. Um, in the first round, you guys are down six at halftime. Um, I think you got down at least uh, maybe like 12, 14 points in that game. Yeah, 14 points in that game. So when you guys are at halftime, it, you know, you guys are all looking around each other. What was that like and what was that conversation like and how much do you remember that? Because it felt like when you guys came out for the second half in the first round, it was like, okay, these are the Virginia Cavaliers. These are the Cavaliers we all know and love. Yeah, halftime, there were zero nerves. Once we got to the half and we were only down six, it was just, all right, just, we're about to win by 20. Um, but when we were, I remember they went up 14. I want to say with like six or seven minutes left in the first half. Right. Their little point guard split up, split one of our balls, split a ball screen, hit a floater. The whole crowd is going crazy. It's like a true road game for us. Like the entire crowd is going crazy. And I'm walking back to the huddle. And I'm just like, I'm, I feel all of it. <laughs> like I really try to stay steady during games. And that's, I can always point to that as the most nervous I've ever been during a basketball game. We was down 14 in the first half. And I'm just thinking about everything like, damn, this is going to happen again. Like no way we can bounce back from this twice. Like, you know, all the thoughts. And uh, I, I sat down in the huddle and I was just like, you know what, if we're going out, we're going out swinging. So I came out the huddle. I, I remember, and, uh, I, I made a step back midi and we just cut the lead from, I think then Kie hit a big three and Kyle hit right. a big three and we cut the lead from 14 to six at the half. And then from there, it was just like, all right, it's, it's back to six. We're going to win this game by 20. Yeah. And then you guys come out in the second half, you go on a 25 to five run. You basically just smack them. And like I said, it, it just felt like, okay, Virginia got a, whatever that, you know, mental hurdle was, you guys were completely back. DeAndre Hunter end, ends up scoring 23 points in that game. Kind of solidified to me in my mind. Okay. Uh, DeAndre Hunter might be going on an MOP type run, and you and Kyle. I mean, the 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 three the trio that you guys were at that time. It was like we see this. I do remember there was a after the season against UNBC, you went on a whitewater rafting trip. W was there anything that happened on the whitewater rafting trip? Any conversations that uh, that helped you guys at halftime? Uh, was there anything you leaned on? I actually missed that trip. Um, wow! I went to the Chris Paul camp that summer, and it was the same four days. So unfortunately, I missed that trip. Um, but no, I heard it was a phenomenal trip. I think we did it in like week seven of the summer. Mm. Um, you know, our our summer thing or whatever summer summer weeks is uh, we do eight weeks. Well, that, that's actually a good tidbit to know because I've told a lot of people over the years that the whitewater rafting trip was, was the thing that brought everyone together. That was the kumbaya moment. And it's nice to know that the starting point guard wasn't even there. So that's completely <laughs> that's completely made up narrative. That That's classic. That's how this works. That's how that's how people talk about this. All right. So we get through the first round. We get past Gardner Webb. We get a sigh of relief. Then we get to round two and we got Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a really good team, a good defensive team. Um, and, or, or sorry, not a good defensive team, a good offensive team. I think they scored 95 points in their first round game. And uh, yeah, you guys come into round two. And if I remember correctly, Diakite started right in this game. 
um, instead of Jack Salt for for the matchups or whatever reason it was. And he has an amazing game. And if you're watching this, obviously, in Captain Hindsight mode, you know the shot that Diakite is eventually going to hit. I do think that the confidence from this Oklahoma game kind of lends and leads us to that point against Purdue. But I'll defer to you. What what happened in this Oklahoma game, and what do you remember from that game? I remember we jumped on them early. I think it was like 7-0, 9-2, something like that. They made their little run. They took a little lead. And then I think from either the second half on or late first half, um, we got like a you know double-digit lead and never really looked back. They probably cut it to, you know, Maybe single digits, maybe nine at the at the most was, was the tightest the game was in the second half. But uh, yeah, Mamadi was great. Um, I don't know if if the Oklahoma game contributed to the Purdue game because he's not a guy that lacks lacks confidence. <laughs> so, even if he never played and then played in the Purdue game, he's still shooting that shot and probably right. still making that shot because he is not a guy that will ever lack confidence. That's something I love about Mamadi. Um, yeah, he he was he was great for us the whole tournament run. And we had a lot of different guys step up in different games. But, yeah, Mamadi was great, that Oklahoma game. Jay Huff had a few moments, too, because, you know, he was in and out the rotation throughout the, the tournament. But remember that Oklahoma game? He I mean, he had a nice little pump fake dunk down the lane. So we had, we had a few guys step up at different times. Yeah, and it was one of those classic I, – I call them anaconda games, and this is what you guys do as a Virginia team where – no matter what happens, you just somehow are down 10 points. Like you keep looking at the scoreboard and you watch your team score finally, but somehow you guys score immediately the next possession and it just continues to stay at 10 points. And it almost, it like defeats you. It deflates you. It's like, it feels insurmountable, even though it's 10 points. And that Oklahoma game, when I think about Virginia basketball and the way that you guys kind of suffocate your opponent, that's the one in my mind that sticks in my mind for whatever reason. It's that Oklahoma second round game. Uh, spot on. That's exactly how I describe that game. It was just like a constant t- 10, 12 point game throughout. And they had some talented guys. You know, they put up 90 in the first round, but, you know, we just couldn't get over. They could, couldn't you know, make that, make that little jump. Yeah. They could not figure it out on the offensive end. All right. Then we get to the Sweet 16. This is an Oregon team that was hot. A lot of people were getting excited on. They thought they could be the C- Cinderella run. We always know Oregon with the Nike connection. They always have insane athletes, a lot of length. So in general, this game was, you know, you circle it, you say, oh, this could be interesting. We'll see what happens here. I remember the game was tied at 45. Um, there, there's probably less than five minutes to go in the game. Game's tied at 45. It looks like, you know, if you're a dumb person at home like me, you say next bucket probably wins this game. Uh, <laughs> and, and and Ty Jerome, uh, Jerome's in the house. You hit a big three to take the lead, 48-45. I remember Kyle Guy kind of struggled in this game. He didn't have his best game. But I remember you hitting that three, and that was one of those, like, got to have it moments. Do you remember that shot, and do you remember that game? You remember that moment? Yeah, right, right wing. Um, it was... Um, <laughs> Like you said, it's just it's just crazy to think that you, you look back on the game and you hit a, a game-winning three with four minutes left in the game. But <laughs> that, that was how the game was going at that time. Just like we right. could, nobody could get a basket. Like you said, they were switching everything. You know, we're, we were really good defensively, so it was just hard to score. They had six, ten guys running all over the court. We, we weren't really making shots, but, you know, you got to win six games, and we found a way to win that one. That was just like a gritty, like, find a way to win the game. Uh, yeah. They were a good team for sure. Should not have been a 12 seed. They just started off the year so bad, I think. And then what won like their last 14 straight. So mm-hmm. teams like that in March are super dangerous. You know, high major teams and with great talent that start the season off terribly and then get super hot late and they figure it all out. So that, that was definitely a harder game than people realize. 
Yeah, and we saw that with UCLA in 2021. They're an 11 seed. They're playing in the play-in game, and all of a sudden they're in the Final Four, and you're saying, wow, this team has a ton of talent. Look at Johnny Juzang. Look at this guy. And <laughs> sure. There's a lot of teams like that in college basketball where you don't want to give them the chance to get hot because they can get hot really quickly. And, uh, you know, once you guys beat Oregon, you're, you're halfway through. So you're three games in. You're now heading to the Elite Eight. You're going up against a Purdue team. It, what what was the thought as a group right then? I mean, you, are you trying to catch your breath? Are you trying to just stay in the moment as much as possible? But Because it is, you know, as dumb as it sounds, you have to win six games. And I think there's a lot of teams that are built to win maybe three games, four games, but that gauntlet of getting to six games and trying to stay focused and not buy into your own hype a little bit, what were you guys doing to kind of try to stay away from all the headlines and all the conversations at that point? It's funny because that was something that we were dealing with all year. So I think dealing with that the whole year it kind of helped us because we got to march and it was just like we have six games to win nothing else matters we have six games to win and we and it was also kind of cool because we were just surviving like one game at a time right. like garner webb we were down 14 oklahoma was like a like you, you you described it perfectly like it was just you know throughout slow game throughout we just had a nice little lead it was a good battle oregon we survived like close game against the 12 seed so we were just surviving kind of. So it wasn't really like, oh, we're blowing everyone out, like feet up, you know, like it wasn't even <laughs> close to that. So, and then we, then we drew Purdue and we didn't, that was a tough one. Purdue, Tennessee was, we knew it both would be tough for, and for different reasons. Like Tennessee was so physical. Right. Um, and strong and Purdue, Matt Painter has everything in his playbook. Great coach. Um, and then they had a Carson Edwards. <laughs> so, so both of those reasons it's like damn it this is going to be a tough team to de- to defend we're going to have to score a lot more than 50 something or whatever to win this game um and that's for sure what happened yeah so we get to the elite eight this is probably um you know for the fans at home this is if not the best college basketball tournament game outside of the final four i've watched that uh, i i can't really think of one off the top of my head. It was unbelievable. I mean, maybe you can go back to the uh, Arizona-Illinois game back in 2005. That might be the game you go to. But outside of that, this game was high-level basketball. The first eight shots of the game go in. Um, Carson Edwards end up, ended up making 10 threes in this game. He ended up going 10 for 19, so he shot over 50% from three. Uh, it was... This was body blow. This was, I mean, this is just absolutely the most back and forth affair until we get to the point in the game where you're on the free throw line. Um, you know, you get fouled. They're, they're, they're down three. Uh, you missed the free throw on purpose. H- how much did you guys practice that moment and how much confidence did you have that you were going to be able to miss the free throw and give your your guys a chance to uh, to make a play there at the end? I I really don't know if I missed the free throw on purpose to this day. Um, <laughs> I made the first, and right. we we're then we we're down two, and it was five seconds left. I look at Coach Bennett, and I just I look at him. And I said, "Miss or make?" And he didn't give me an answer. <laughs> um, so in my head, as I'm literally shooting the ball, I'm like, "Man, I just really don't know what to do." And I just short armed it a little bit, so I hit the front rim, and Mommy tips it. And when Key, I'm looking back, and I'm looking at Key chase after the ball the ball crosses half court yep it's five four three i'm just like wow this is how it's gonna end like he gets the ball probably with like two and a half maybe maybe three and me and kyle are both sides of half court like on half court both calling for the ball we're gonna shoot a half court shot and that's how this game is that's how we're gonna win it that's how we're going home he just flings you know 
probably the best pass of the tournament, maybe ever, um, to Mamadi. And if he throws it like two inches, two inches lower, whatever, five inches lower, we lose. He put it right where it had to be, and Mamadi kept it high. That shot was incredible. Like to catch high, keep high, and he hit from a distance that like you never practice. Like people shoot threes, and they work on maybe you know mid ranges and you know touch around the basket, but nobody practices a, a what, what was that twelve feet. Right, and it was like a floater. It was like a no man's land floater. Yeah, nobody, especially no big, like no big practices that shot. That's a super hard shot to make. He catch, he caught it high, kept it high, and made that shot. But you know, to win a tournament, you, you need a little bit of luck on your side. So, which is crazy when you you kind of work it back, right? Because the 2018, you lose Devin Hall, who's you know uh, the heart and I thought he was like the heart and soul of that backcourt. I mean, he, he's such a great player. You lose yeah. Isaiah Wilkins. And I remember you guys, the first game of the year, I remember I watched you guys because I wanted to see what it looked like coming off of the year before. You played Towson, I believe. And I remember Kihei made a big play, like a big defensive play late in that game. And they were like, this is freshman Kihei Clark. You know, he's a guy that's going to be a contributor for this team. He gave me like London Parentes vibes a little bit. And I, and I said to myself, oh, that Kihei Clark kid, you know, he has my attention. And then, it, you know, you fast forward. And that's why I love college basketball so much. You fast forward, you get to the Elite Eight. Like you said, it looks like we're dead to rights if you're a Virginia fan. And then this freshman who has been given these opportunities as the year has gone on because Tony's been such a good coach, he has the presence of mind in that moment to make that play. Not to defer to you or Kyle just because he's supposed to. He just makes the right basketball play. And it leads to this amazing Diakite moment that is going to live on forever, you know, in the minds of college basketball fans. And, you know, the, the, the amount of times I've watched it, I still can't believe it happened. I can't believe that it worked out. And and it's funny because, you know, um, Caffaro, who I used to call Caffaro, but now he's Caffaro. He updated this. Yeah, yeah, he updated his pronunciation, but him and Kihei being on that team, and then still seeing them on the team now, you know, it's like every time I watch Virginia and I see one of those two guys, I immediately go back to that play in that moment in time because it felt like it ripped through reality almost, you know, it felt like it was, it was, it wasn't going to happen. Like you said, you're standing there. It looks like it's game over. And then that that's the definition of a miracle March madness moment. You can't explain it. You never practice it. But when it's there and it's presented, these two guys make the play. And everybody talked about, you know, you and Kyle and, and DeAndre, and these are the other two guys, right? And then they're the ones that end up making this amazing play to get you to the Final Four. I mean, it was it was amazing. And I say that as a as a North Carolina fan. You know, I have no vested interest in Virginia. If anything, you guys are our rivals. But I watched that, and I was like, that is a beautiful moment of March Madness basketball right there. No, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's like you literally just said, that is March. That That's plays like that is why, you know, it's what it's probably the most viewed would ever have a many weeks sporting event, you know, in the in the country. So plays like that are, are the reasons why. <laughs> yeah, it's one of one. And then the funniest part to me, when you talk to the casual fan, they would say, well, that won the game. And it's like, no, Virginia had to go to overtime you guys, I think, made 12 free throws in overtime. You didn't miss a free throw in overtime, and, and and you get the win. And then we get to the Final Four. You're playing Auburn. This is a game that I think most people would probably say you guys did go to overtime just because of the way, you know, obviously the title game goes to overtime. The Elite Eight game goes to overtime. But the Final Four is probably the most, um, you know, climactic moment when you think about this tournament. Kyle Guy gets fouled on a three. Samir Doughty fouls him. It was a foul. We all know that. 
He goes to the free throw line. And I think this is one of those amazing full circle moments as well. You know, I can't remember. Maybe it was Dowdy. Someone did the choking signal uh, for Kyle as he walked up to the free throw line. There was the conversation about you guys last year. It just felt like there was this like, you know, it was like, oh, th- this is this is how it ends. This, this is what's going to happen to Virginia. This is what this team does. All the bullshit, you know, that we all know. And Kyle goes up there, makes three free throws. You guys punch a ticket to the title game. What was that like? What was the anxiety like for you being the point guard of this team as you sat there and watched him take the three free throws? Did you know it was a sure thing or were you just as worried as the rest of us? Well, don't skip over the the double dribble that wasn't called. Right, uh, right. But, but um, once we got to the three free throws, I wasn't nervous. I mean, Kyle, I, I think Kyle, take me out of the equation, I think Kyle's the best shooter in the country that year. Mm. Um, and I think uh, there's nobody else. Like I said, I mean, I, I would love to be at that line too, but there's nobody else that I'd rather see at the free throw line than Kyle. I mean, great shooter. He's hit the three before that in the right corner, which was an extremely difficult shot. That right. Fading, fading out of bounds as he hit right it. Right yeah. corner. I mean, but that's what he did. He, he made shots like that for his whole three years at Virginia and his He's still doing that, and he did it, you know, in high school. So that's who Kyle always has been. That's who he is. So it's like when I saw him on the line. I mean, I'm sure he was nervous. And who, you know, you're in that spot, you're gonna get nerves. But I wasn't, especially when I saw the first one go in. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, we're we're good. Yeah, and it's also funny enough, you know, if you have ever been in your drive driveway as a kid, and you're, you know, doing the March Madness scenarios, you've always done that free throw scenario where you have free throws to win the national championship or to win a Final Four game or whatever it may be. So it was just kind of poetic that Kyle Guy, a kid from Indiana who obviously grew up doing that, you know, it's like he has this moment in the sun, uh, you know, on the March Madness stage. So it was great to witness. And then obviously we punch our ticket. Virginia goes to the title game. You get matched up with Texas Tech, one of the hottest teams in the country. Chris Beard's group, very tough team, very physical team. There's the matchup going into it. Everyone's talking about Jared Culver going against DeAndre Hunter, these two small forwards, these guys that are potential lottery picks. DeAndre Hunter's amazing in this game, has 27 points. But the play and the pass that you make to him when he hit that corner three, um, I want to talk to you about that. The vision of that moment in time, how much do you remember that play specifically? And uh, and, and just being in a title game, how fun was that to be in Minnesota in that huge football, brand-new facility and play on the biggest stage? Yeah, so I'll do the second question first because right. Minnesota, I mean – that we had we had a a practice with no fans in there, so we you get there two days before the the, the semifinal game, and we walk into the to the arena or to the stadium, I guess, and not one fans in the seats. So you just look around and it's empty, seventy two thousand <laughs> seats empty, and I'm just looking around. And at that moment, it's like, wow, you know what I mean? Especially because when I was growing up, I kind of grew up on college basketball. Um. That's what I watched growing up. March was huge for me every year when I was a kid. Right. Um, my dad took me to a few Final Fours. So at that moment when we walked into the gym and we had a practice there and nobody is in the stands, that was kind of one of the most surreal moments that we had. I had at least along the run. Um. So yeah, it was unreal to play in that stage and playing that. Never play in front of that many people again. We actually right. had a game this year against the Spurs in the Alamo Dome. And we broke the NBA attendance record. I think it was like sixty-two thousand. So they broke the they broke the attendance record in the NBA, and it was still ten thousand short. And obviously, 
the feel is way different. A final four game, championship game versus a you know regular season game, Warriors Spurs. So they just they're just trying to describe the right the the, 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 bag, the, yeah, the context of it. Yeah, yeah, no, like. Every year, when now when I look back and I watch the Final Four on TV, I just have such uh, an appreciation and a gratitude for like what we were able to accomplish with that group because that's something that like uh, you know you you never forget when you're a part of that. So that was pretty cool. And then um, I'm sorry, what was the first question? Yeah, just that. I mean, first and foremost, I remember being in that building. I was sitting in the Virginia section, and I remember watching the Texas Tech crowd. They were playing Old Town Road. And it was like, they were like, I don't think they had guns, but it looked like they were shooting guns in the air. You know what I mean? There was like smoke in the section. It looked like it was out of like a European basketball, you know, like one of those Greek games like that are that are like fireworks and things like that. That's how insane the Texas Tech fans were. And then the Virginia fans, very similar to Carolina fans, you know, they're, they're kind of sitting there a little reserved, obviously anxious about the moment in time. But then once the game got going... I mean, the atmosphere from both fan bases, it, it was it was electric. I mean, that's pretty much the, the best word for it. And then the first part of the question that I asked you was the the, the assist that you made to Hunter. It, it was the the pass to him in the corner, the corner three that he made. Yeah. How much do you remember of that specific play? Because that was kind of the game-winning play. And that, that in my mind, is what I remember from that game. Because I, I, to myself, I said, wow, that is exactly why Ty Jerome is is the point guard he's the he's the perfect point guard for this team in that moment in time how much do you remember that play yeah i vividly remember that play it, it's funny because me and dre would do this thing uh in warm-ups before every game where we would throw the ball run around the three-point line just throw the ball to each other like goofing around and it would end with like one of us dribbling in kicking the other one in the corner exactly how like that play worked out um but that's what kind of I was talking about earlier. Like when the game says shoot, I'm going to shoot. When the game says pass, I'm going to pass. Um, we were down three. And there was probably, there was definitely double digit seconds on the clock. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't like five seconds, six seconds. It was probably like 16 when I was bringing the ball up. Um, and we ran a high pick and roll. They switched it. The big pressed up on me. And I'm thinking, all right, I can, I can get a quick two. And I drays in the opposite corner from when I drive. And his man helps. Yeah, he came in to help, exactly. Um, right, which is a big no-no when you're up three with that time uh, on a clock. But it's super hard if you're not super locked in and you don't have a super high IQ. It's super hard to change the way you play for the entire season. Right, right. Because Texas Tech does, they force the ball baseline and a low man, who, you know, if you're guarding the guy in the opposite corner, is trained to come over time and time and time again. So I saw him come over, and I was just like, wow, this this couldn't be better for us. And I see DeAndre open in the corner, and I throw him, and he had a big shot. Yeah, it was uh, w- when that all happened in real time, I felt like I watched it in slow motion because it's exactly what you said. When I saw his man help off, it was the oh, no, you know? And it, it, like you said, it was it, it's something that's, you know, in your mind, you do that every single day, all day, every day. But for this one moment, you have to be situational and say, in this situation, I actually shouldn't go help. But it's hard when your muscle memory and your body's done that a million times to to even stop yourself from doing that. And as we know, even if you take a step and then you, then you remember, you're already out of the play and and bada boom, bada bing, the rest is history. It was, I I vividly remember watching it in slow motion as it happened. It was an amazing pass. It was an amazing play. Um, and as soon as you guys see the confetti fall down, you feel that moment of redemption. 
What was your first thought? I mean, your dad, Mark Jerome, he, he's a great guy. You got your brother, Kobe Jerome. Um, you got a great family, basketball family. What was your first thought when you saw the confetti fall and you realized, oh, my God, we're actually national champions? Man, I honestly don't even remember. Um, <laughs> That's I a great like, answer. Yeah, no, I feel like there's like very few moments in life where it's just fully, your mind is fully blank. It's just, you know, you're just off straight emotion for a little bit. I think yeah. it was just pure joy. I wasn't thinking about anything. I'm looking at the confetti fall. I, r- I ran to my family. Um, yeah, I think it's just like pure joy. You're not really not really thinking about much. Um, just, And I think one thing I do remember is we watched One Shining Moment um, on the stage. And it's a dope picture. It's me, Kyle, and Dre. We're sitting down watching, watching it from the stage, watching the big screen, watching One Shining Moment. Um, so that's... That was another super surreal moment, too. Yeah, and you guys had a lot of uh, shining moments in the one shining moment montage, just based on the Purdue game, based on the Auburn game. If you, as you were watching one shining podcast, or you were watching uh, the one shining moment, you were saying to yourself, "Man, this is like Virginia. Like it should just be a Virginia special, right? Of all the moments in this tournament." Oh no, because you know, <laughs> Zion and Duke. They, they got their fair share in there too. Yeah, well, of course. They that whole year they were going to make sure to get their fair share. We all know how that goes. Honestly, <laughs> I'm not even saying it wasn't deserved because that man was he was he was having an unreal year, like, I a, mean, a generational year. So it's not even a shot at him. Just, if I'm if I'm the media, I'm covering them too. So you know, I mean, it, it wasn't even a sh- it was it was it, no shot. I mean, the ACC that year. T- think about those three teams that were all you know teams that could you could have talked before the tournament. If you told me Duke won the championship, it would make sense. If you told me Virginia won the championship, it would make sense. If you told me North Carolina with Kobe White and Cam Johnson won, it would make sense. That's how good the ACC was. <laughs> Way to shout out your guys in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta make sure that people remember, you know. There, there, there was another one. There was a lot of, a lot of good teams in the ACC back in 2019. Not so much uh, at the moment. But uh, all right, one last thing uh, before I let you get out of here, Ty. Do you have any March Madness predictions this year? Is, is there a team that you're fired up with? Are you even filling out a bracket? Um, and, and is it gonna just be you going with Virginia? I've seen a lot of people trying to pick Furman. And I won't let it happen. You know, I think Virginia is going to win in the first round, even though the Paladins are a good team. But but is there a March Madness team that you like this year? I haven't really watched. Only college basketball I really watched this whole year is Virginia. Um, okay, there you go. I'm going to so fill out the bracket though, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, I, I'm not going to be able to not pick Virginia. So okay, I mean, every year since I've left, I filled out a bracket, and if Virginia loses, my my bracket is done. So. <laughs> It, my, my whole bracket really just is based on how Virginia does every year. So Well, it hinges on Virginia. It hinges on Kihei Clark, your former teammate. I hope Kihei can make it happen. I really wanted Kihei to get that ACC tournament that he deserved. That was the one thing he had on, on the docket. So hopefully he'll oh, be he fired up. That. He didn't get that because of Duke. He let Duke beat him. I hated it. I know he didn't get it this year, but he didn't He didn't win it at all. Yeah, he didn't win one. Yeah, during his term, during his time. Yeah. Because uh, 2019, you guys lost in the semis, like I said, and Duke won in 2019. That would have been the year. Damn. Well, I mean, he, he did half a decade at that school. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know he didn't get a, get one at all. Yeah, it should have been this year. It should have been this year. But Tony, Coach Bennett's such a good guy. You know, he he was he was okay to let John Shire get one for the ACC, get one for the Duke brand. You know, so. No, nah, I don't think so. I think we just got beat. Coach Coach <laughs> Coach Bennett's not letting anybody beat him anything. All right. Well, that's good to know. At least he, at least he wasn't just trying to be nice. Cause I'm going to say this as a fellow public school 
Um, you know, we got to stick together. North Carolina, Virginia, with all the conference realignment, you know, all this stuff going on, all this hoopla, you know, public schools got to stick together, especially public state schools. So, you know, we, we got to be on the same page. We can't let Duke uh, run this conference. That's all I'm saying. For sure. I've always had a soft spot for, for UNC. So. Uh, there you go. They, uh, see, I love to hear that. That's why, that's why we have him on the show. He is 2019 national champion, Ty Jerome. This has been One Shining Podcast. Ty, thanks so much for coming on. Good luck against the Clippers tomorrow. And uh, we'll be keeping up with you and the Warriors as the season rolls on. Thanks a lot, man. Good, man. Thank you. All right, there you have it, Ty Jerome, uh, one of the best. He is uh, He's just a good guy all around, great basketball mind, uh, one of my favorite players that I've watched in this new era of basketball, great Tony Bennett guy. So shout out to Ty Jerome. I, uh, I'm excited about him being on the Warriors. I'm a sucker for the Warriors, Kyle. Um, as you know, my boy James Michael McAdoo was on the team back in the day. I love Steph, Steph Curry. Steph Curry tweeted you one time, and it was just never looking hey, back from there. Not just one time. Steph Curry follows me on Twitter, Kyle. People forget oh, this. Uh, so he's yeah, going to see the post for this pod. That's great. Right. And he's going to be like, why is Ty Jerome coming on the show, and why am I not coming on the show? That's what yeah, we're that's hoping for. That's how we for. do it. That's how yeah, we do it. You were just we bait, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ty. We love you. We love you. Um, but all right. That, that, that's been enough today. This has been our, our One Shining Podcast tournament primer. Um, the tournament officially begins on Thursday for all the people at home that don't know this. If you're a first four personality and someone that it gets off on the first four games, they started tonight in Dayton. Um, they've been some good games so far. Go check those out. Get the results. Get your brackets in, folks. Now's the time. Again, the tournament starts on Thursday. I'm very excited about it. We got Kyle Mann, um, who's been doing the shows with us. He's going to come out to Los Angeles in person. First time I'll be able to meet him in person, Kyle. Uh, I'm excited about that. So our plan is to, after every single day of games, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in the first round, we're going to be uh, reacting, um, doing a live show at Spotify. We're going to watch the games downtown. Maybe we'll let you know where we watch them. Maybe we have some people come out and meet us. We'll see what happens. But all good things. I'm excited about that. Uh, a couple quick shout-outs before we get out of here. I want to shout-out to Will Wade. Um, that's right, that Will Wade, former LSU coach, a man who uh, worked uh, for the golf team at Clemson and somehow finessed his way into being a college head basketball coach all through three letters, the B-A-G. We know how it works. Um, but McNeese State hires him. McNeese State, their, their uh, athletic director, Heath Schroyer, is a friend of mine, good guy. Um, but he brings in Will Wade, goes on the private plane and says, you're going to come down to Joe Dumars' all, alma mater and get us some wins. Um, you know, Joe Dumars, great shooting guard, kind of forgotten when you talk about the Bad Boys Pistons, but McNeese State is a team that has some history with him. I'm excited to see what Will Wade does. The best part, though, if you're keeping up with Will Wade and his saga, he has been suspended five games already. This man accepted the job yesterday, and on day one of the job, he was suspended five games um, because of his improprieties um, beforehand. So Will Wade doing what Will Wade does, doing Will Wade things. We love to see that. Um, one last shout out. This has been 40 years of Rick Pitino and March Madness. His first tournament was at BU back in 1983. It is now 2023. It's also been 10 years since Louisville won the national championship. I know a lot of people um, forgot that that happened or they've tried to erase it from their brain. I remember it. We all remember it. Rick Pitino did win the 2013 national championship. People forget. So it's the return of the Rick Tater, as Bill Simmons calls him. Go check him out. He's going to be playing in March Madness in the tournament as a 14 seed. Um, or as a 13 seed. Sorry, playing a four seed. That's going to be great. Uh, a great tournament's coming up. 
Uh, for all the, the BS pod listeners, I went on Bill's pod. I did some big picture thoughts, gave out my top five tourney bets. Go check that out. Um, again, this has been One Shining Podcast. We're covering all things March Madness. Uh, we're going to be everywhere uh, that you need us to be. We're going to talk about all the big games, all the big moments. I appreciate all the friends of the program who have come along for the ride. This is just starting. We're going to get better. We're going to get better guests. It's just going to keep flowing. And, uh, you know, for all the haters out there, I still love you. You know I still love you. I want you to come back and 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 play around with us. Maybe spread some of that hate. I'll fight it with love, and we're going to have a good time because this is what March Madness is for. Your teams are fired up. I'm fired up. Good luck to all your teams, and uh, let's let the chaos commence. Kyle, anything else before we get out of here? No, man, I'm uh, excited. St. Patty's Day is crashing into this thing, as always. We're trying <laughs> to get some beers and Jake Kyle Man and convince him to change his name on the pod. Right. There you go. Kyle Mann might change his name depending on how drunk we get him. We're going to watch a lot of basketball together. We're going to have a few brews in between. We're going to have some special guests as this thing rolls on. It's all fluid. It's all happening. This is March Madness. This is One Shining Podcast, and we will see you Thursday night. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.